Are you ready to be empowered for God to use you in advancing his kingdom in this hour? Then welcome to the Keeping It Moving podcast. I'm your host, Apostle Kim Davis, and I will share with you how to persevere with power through every challenge that seemed to block you as we keep it moving into the divine purpose of God. Let's go. Well, grace and peace be multiplied unto each and every one of you once again, and welcome to another episode of the Keeping It Moving podcast with yours truly, Apostle Kim Davis. Again, I am grateful that you have chosen to tune in to this podcast today. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is your time back, I welcome you back, and certainly I don't take it lightly that you have joined us on today. And again, thank God for the Charisma Podcast Network for allowing us to be a part of this great platform. So let's get right started into the word of God as we are continuing on this wisdom journey taken from my book, The Power of Wisdom, which you can obtain on my website at KimADavis.com. Kim A. Davis Ministries, I'm sorry, KimADavisMinistries.com is where you can obtain the book. So let's get right into it today. I am excited to get into what we're talking about today, taken again from the book of James, the fourth chapter. Let's go ahead and start with the first verse, and it reads as follows. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts? that war in your members, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight and war, ye have not because ye ask not, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. And the word of the Lord is already blessed. There is so much that I could say about that scripture that we have just read. However, I'm going to stick with the flow of what I was talking about on the last podcast and focus more on the power of your words. And so I called, I'm going to call this this episode, um, Talk Yourself Into It Part 2. Talk yourself into it. Part two. Last week was part one. I pray that if you have not heard it, you will go back and you will catch up and you will see how I'm connecting what I'm talking to you today from James four as we continue on. I wanted to take it, uh, give you another facet of this power of your words as it pertains to using them with wisdom, even as we see right here uh, in verse two and verse three, that ye have not because ye ask not and ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. And um, speaking about the power of your words as we deal uh, with wisdom and as we talked a lot about the wisdom that we use in utilizing the proper words, but cannot leave out that you must include faith. Okay, so let's just get started right here. 
I want to give you this quote from Theodore White. It says, for those men who sooner or later are lucky enough to break away from the pack, the most intoxicating moment comes when they cease being bodies in other men's command and find that they control their own time when they learn their own voice and authority. Oh my God. Every time I read that, I, I get I get I get in, empowered at that last part. That last part that said again, the most intoxicating moment comes when they cease being bodies in other men's command. In other words, when they cease being in the bondage of what other people say concerning them. And then it says, and find that they control their own time when they learn their own voice and authority. And so that is the focus of this uh, talk yourself into it uh, part of this lesson that I've been talking about and teaching about. Um, Last week, we talked about uh, James talking about negative uh, things that are accomplished with the tongue if we can't control it, if we can't utilize it with wisdom and faith. And I changed it to say, if you can talk yourself out of divine destiny and purpose, you can talk yourself into divine destiny and purpose. But it first comes from you being willing to separate yourselves from others and from the bondage again of what people say about you. And you discover the power of your own words that can direct your time, that can direct your your life, that can point you in the area of divine purpose and destiny that God intends for us to have. And it comes by taking authority over our own voice and over our own words, which then take authority over our own life using the tools that God has given us to do that. And thus, thus we frame our own world with our words. We frame our worlds with our words. And we, I think we talked about that last time from Hebrews 11 and three, where it says God framed the world with his word. And I'm not going to go back and continue to expound upon that, but that is powerful just in and and with itself. And we talked, we said that the worlds were framed, they were fashioned and put in order and equipped for their intended purpose. And we can do the same for our lives with our words. And at the same token, I'm going to talk to you about something very personal today. At the same token, we can tear down our own life with our own words. Proverbs, the 14th chapter and the first verse says, A wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. A wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. And we know that the book of Proverbs, when it talks about a woman uh, tearing down her house, it talks a lot about a nagging woman. Uh, and, and it's like a dripping fountain, a dripping faucet. It's annoying. 
And, and when the Bible here says she can tear it down with her own hands, I promise you that her words have something to do with that. And, and I believe that she does this, maybe not uh, literally build it up or tear it down with her hands, but she can literally tear it down or build it up with her words. That's what I believe. I don't believe it's talking about with her own physical hands, but I believe that this scripture is talking about the power of her words. And I said, I'm going to talk to you very personally. I'm going to be very transparent with you in my testimonial of this fact right now and how I utilized it uh, to direct my life with my words when I could have made another choice. I always say that in each podcast, I hope to uh, be transparent with you and show you, uh, help you to get to know me, uh, understand some things about my journey. I share a little bit more about my journey in each podcast. And today, uh, with what we're talking about and looking at this woman building her own house, and but a foolish one, tear it down with her own hands. I was married for 20 years. Uh, I think I shared the early, earlier podcast that I got married the first time in 12th grade. I was still in high school. <laughs> I I got engaged at 16. I got married at 17. I had a child just uh, three or four months after I got married. And of course, I was divorced at 19. But then many years later, once my son uh, was uh, somewhere near 16, 17 years old, I got married again. And I married uh, a minister. And we began to take off uh, quickly in building the kingdom of God. We began to pastor and co-pastor. Uh, we eventually moved to, uh, we pastored in Detroit, Michigan. We eventually moved to uh, Louisiana. We stayed there for eight years until Hurricane Katrina uh, repositioned uh, us up here on the East Coast. Uh, we then came to the East Coast and began to build and to pastor and to do great things in the kingdom of God. And 20 years, 20 years we had a good marriage, a good life. We were teammates. We had uh, five children plus one. Uh, we ended up, uh, he had two, two sons. I had a son and a daughter. And then we had a daughter together. And then we adopted a son. And all the family doing ministry together, uh, we were a unified family, regardless of when there was no stepchildren and adopted children and all of that. And I am truly grateful to say that even in this day, we are still a close knit family. Uh, we're in different places in the country, but we are still a close knit family. And why do I say that? Because after 20 years of marriage, we divorced. We divorced after 20 years of good marriage. I always say this. And um, uh, my ex-husband, we are very transparent on our various platforms and sharing our story because our desire is to help someone uh, who may be going through uh, similar things that we have gone through. But today I want to um, show you the power of my words that I I chose to utilize and in wisdom and how I spoke and how I continue to speak concerning that situation in my life. I'm not going to lie to you. I was devastated. I was devastated 
over my marriage falling apart, over us separating, splitting up ministries. My ex gave me both churches. We were pastoring two churches at the time, and I pastor them both right now. I've been pastoring them since 2010. And, uh, of course, I felt some kind of way. Um, I, I, I was hurt. I was uh, wounded. I was uh, disappointed. I was even angry. And, and um, I had some choices to make in terms of how I would speak concerning what had happened in my life. And I had to talk myself into it. Why? Because it felt better if I would just decide and say, you know what? This is wrong. It shouldn't happen. I'm going to blame him. I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell my side of the story. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that. And people are going to understand and people are going to take my side. But I made a choice in wisdom. Thank God for the wisdom from on high. I made a choice in wisdom. And the choice I made in wisdom was uh, trying to be a wise woman who had built a house. We had built a life. We had built children. We had built ministry. And I believed that as a wise woman, I had built my house. We had built our house. But as a foolish woman operating out of emotions and disappointment and hurt and pain and dis, uh, uh, rejection, that if I began to speak negatively concerning my ex-husband, concerning what happened, I've believed in wisdom that I would not just tear him down, but I would tear down everything that we had built our children, the ministry, people who had looked up to us. And I made a choice. I made a conscious choice to say, I will not trash him. I will not get in the pulpit and say a lot of negative things about him. I will not get up and try and make people take my side because I believed what we had built was more valuable than the temporary feeling that I would get by using negative words to tear down. It would not just tear down him. I believe that it would literally tear down what we had built. And so because of that choice, I have been able, we have been able to move in different directions, but we still are cordial, we still support each other. We still are friends. And we still, here's the point, speak well of each other. Because to tear each other down would mean to tear down what we had built together. And so again, I see people, ministry, people in ministry, people in business, they choose to do that. It makes them feel better. I'm going to tear you down and they don't realize that they are literally plucking it down, what they have built, however big or small, with their own hands. And so my desire is that even my testimony right there will help somebody. I believe God strategically 
leads me to people, whether I'm live or whether I'm on a tape that they I'm, I'm led to people. He leads me to people that what I am saying is going to help you in your personal situation. And so as I continue on with the teaching right here, this is why we are declaring and we are decreeing the word of God over our lives. I decree and declare the word of God in my ministry, over my body, over my circumstances, over my vision, mission, plans. I speak it. I talk myself into it because I believe in the power of the word of God that he has given us in this powerful principle. And so in my church, we have possession declarations. We have confession declarations over our finances. We have vision and mission statements that connect up with all of it. We have confession over our music ministry and healing and deliverance takes place because we speak it into existence and you utilize all the tools that God has given us to cause our words to be fruitful. And we speak overflow and increase and favor. We realize that that does not mean that everything will always be hunky dory, but we create a positive atmosphere, an atmosphere that is conducive for fruitfulness because of the power of our declarations and our decreeing. And so I think I mentioned this scripture last week, Job 22 and 28. I just couldn't resist uh, bringing it back again. And since this is part two, it said, you shall also decide and decree a thing and it shall be established for you. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. It is so powerful. I like today that I don't know that I said last week that it says you shall also decide and decree a thing. We've got to make up in our mind that our set of circumstances can change and we're going to speak it out of our mouth and talk ourselves into it. And as we do so, we shall be established in many things and the light of God's favor will then begin to shine upon all our ways. As I was preparing to come to you today and I was looking at this part of this, I thought about the woman with the issue of blood. When she knew that Jesus was there and and it said that she decided within herself that if I could just touch, come on here. If, if I could just touch the, the, we say the hem of his garment, if I can just touch his clothes, I believe I will be made whole. And, and it seems like there was more power in what she decreed, decreed, what she decided, what she then took action to do. She decided within herself, if I can just do this. She decided it and then she said it and then she did it and God's favor came upon her and she began to be healed because of what she decided and decreed. And this is the thing that I want to share today. When we look at decree, such a powerful word, kings make decrees. And so today I'm going to talk more about uh, 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 asking you, well, who are you? 
Because if we're looking at ourselves as kings and queens, if we're comparing ourselves with that principle, we will understand that kings do not beg or cry for anything. He just, he does not have to. Kings and queens do not have to. Why? Because they have authority. They simply declare or decree it and it happens. Why again? Because he has the legal power. He has the legal authority. He or she, you know, I got to say he or she, king or queen. They have the legal power, legal authority to declare it and to decree it, to decide it and to say it and to bring it to pass. And the funny thing about it is there are other people that then carry out the decree for the king and the queen. And I looked at that word decree and it says, confirm, settle, authorize. And while I'm coming to you today, talking about talking yourself into it, some of you are dealing with some very trying situations. Every week that I come here, there's something different happening in the world. This past week, we experienced Hurricane Ida. I've shared with you periodically that I am a survivor of Hurricane Katrina. And, uh, and with Ida, we were not expecting it to take place like it did on the East Coast. So while I'm checking on my family and loved ones in the Louisiana area, trying to see if they're all right, Ida rises up and begins to cause major damage over here on the East Coast, right? Uh, however, uh, whatever situation that you're going through, whether it's Ida, Hurricane Ida, whether it's still COVID situations, whether it is your finances, whether it is your relationship, it is important that you understand who you are and the power of your declaration. The power that you have as kings and queens and ambassadors in the kingdom of God. And so you have the power to decree. You have the power to confirm. You have the power to settle some things. You have the power to authorize some things. And so I ask you now, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a king or queen? Or do you see yourself as a peasant? The way you see yourself is how others will see you and how you will operate and how you carry yourself and the things that you decide and decree and get done. So I love first Peter two and nine. It says, but you are a chosen generation. You know, this scripture, a royal priesthood a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth. Remember that, that uh, quote that I gave uh, uh, from in the beginning of this teaching? It says, not, not that somebody else is, is showing forth who you are, but that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. You are royalty in the kingdom of God. You are the one whom God has chosen to manifest his glory in the earth. And it is an honor. It is a sheer honor that God has chosen us. And so we should carry ourselves in that, in this way and cause our environment to reflect 
this great power that God has given us in and through our words. But we got to know who we are. I looked at Romans the eighth chapter and the 16th through the 19th verse in the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, but the spirit himself thus testifies together with our own spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. We've got to understand that. I did a whole long teaching about the enemy and demons and all of that. And so many people talk more about the devil and demons and all of that. And not really uh, decreeing and declaring that we are children of God bearing witness with the Holy Spirit himself. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs, also heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his inheritance with him. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. Verse 19 of 18. But what of that? For consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. For even the whole creation, all nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. We are children of the most high God, of the most high King. We are the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We are the movers and shakers of this earth. And so again, sometimes we take this, that it means that we're not going to endure any sufferings. Of course, it says right here, we got to share in the sufferings and we share in the glory, but it becomes necessary that we know who we are and that we take our proper place to be able to do this. And so again, we must take the authority that has been delegated to us and begin by speaking the word of God, by decreeing and by declaring the blessing, not just over our finances, but over our health, over our marriage, as I have stated earlier, over our family, over our children, over our ministry, over every area of our lives. So as we get ready to uh, come to this part, we're almost to the end. We're going to go through some suffering. I was talking to a sister and she was disturbed about the many of the messages that are coming from the pulpit, um, that they are messages of blessings, you know, um, messages of things are going to get better. And um, she's very prophetic. She deals a lot in eschatology. And she was talking about... Um, Things are getting ready to get bad. Things, you know, there are things to come. There's persecution. There are perilous times that are yet to come, even though we're in the midst of extreme weather conditions, uh, pandemic, all of the stuff that's going on in our world, the violence, everything. But we, we, that does not mean that we should not still utilize the power that God has given us to decree and declare our environment. Yes, we are conscious that persecution is coming. And what will be the first sign of persecution of the church? The I believe the first sign will be that they will try to silence us. That the church will attempt it, will the, the, the world will attempt to silence the church. And it's already taking place. 
It's already taking place. Though I, I, am, I am conservative, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm fairly balanced in my theology, in my uh, perspective about the world, about the word, about our lives as Christians. Yet uh, there are some very conservative views that I feel uh, that we sometimes, uh, we want to, our way is the only way, our way is the right way, and we don't want to hear what anybody else has to say. Not understanding that our perspectives, even about the word of God and Christianity, comes from our upbringing, comes from how we were raised even as Christians, our denominations, all of these things. And so while uh, that is true, we got to be very careful that in our um, presenting our perspective about what the word of God is saying and what we believe God is saying, we got to be very cautious in knowing that there, just because we believe that it's totally this way, there could be something that we need to consider to put balance in how we are presenting what we say. And even at the same time, we know we have very, uh, we, we have what we believe about sexuality. We have things that we believe about marriage, about holiness, about righteousness. And we want to be able, and we should be able, no matter what, no matter whether our views are very conservative, no matter whether they are liberal, no matter whether they are moderate, we as the church of God, based on our understanding of how the Holy Spirit is directing us, should be able to speak freely concerning them. But I believe that one thing that we can all agree on, that it, it is, it, we are in an environment where we as Christians are now beginning to be silenced. There are certain things that we cannot say. And because the enemy knows that our words guide our lives. James 3 and 5 again, I talked about it a lot last week. Talked about the tongue being a little member and boasted great things. And I'm not going to go through all of that again. But what I will ask you is as we understand that our words frame our world. We have to ask ourselves a few questions. Where are we going? Where do we want to go? How are we going to get there? I think we ought to begin to think about it. I think we ought to begin to dream about it. Don't think about what I'm saying just in a carnal way. Think about it in a spiritual way. I think we ought to begin to read more about it and study more about it and write more about it. I think we need to begin to talk to more people of wisdom and ask questions about it so that we can get clearer direction on where we're trying to talk ourselves into. What place are we trying to get to? And then we begin to let our words line up with where we're trying to go. And we must con be consistent with those words. And as, as uh, James in the fourth chapter, he said, I'll read verse one through three again. It said, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have. 
and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. And even well, that scripture right there, as us as Christians, as I talked about conservatives and li- conservatives and liberals and all of that, even in the body of Christ, there's this fighting among us. There's this warring in our members. There, there, there is this desire to make our way known. But I just believe that if we could come together and set aside our differences and find out what we have in common and begin to speak that thing, our, our effect, our impact would be greater. But the other thing I want to say about what was just said, he said in here that in you have not because she ask not. I believe that there is so much power that we have that as we ask, as we ask in faith, it says you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss. We don't ask in faith. I believe that as we come together, as we put our words together, talk about what we agree on more than what we disagree on as God's people, we have the power to shift some things. Yes, even persecution is coming, but we have the power to have more of an impact in the kingdom of God and more people will be willing to listen to the powerful decrees and declarations that we are making that are coming from the word of God as we are consistent in what we are saying. And because what we are saying, even during a storm, it helps us to also determine how we're going to deal with it and how we get through it. As we come with, uh, with, uh, uh, deal with obstacles coming against us about the things that we are trying to do for the kingdom of God, not just for ourselves, that it will bring me to this ending scripture that I want to leave with you. That is one of the most powerful scriptures that I have ever read. And it is coming from Zechariah, the fourth chapter as, as, as Zechariah was coming against opposition, as we were trying to get the, they were trying to get the temple built, rebuilt. Here, here it is. It says in verse six, then he said to me, I'm in the Amplified Classic Bible. This addition of the bowl to the candlestick, causing it to yield a ceaseless supply of oil from the olive tree is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now go back and read the whole story. I'm not going to try and put it all into total context, but I want you to hear this last thing as I'm speaking to you, as I get ready to close, it says not by might nor by power, but by my spirit of whom the oil is a symbol says the Lord of hosts. And so whatever you are dealing with, whatever you are trying to accomplish, Whatever you are trying to become, whatever you are trying to rebuild, don't tear it down with your own words. Allow the spirit of the Lord to come upon you, to to bubble up on the inside of you and, and let the power of God give you the strength to say, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit saith the Lord. But here is the the thing that was so powerful to me that, that was spoken. It says, for who are you? O mountain of human obstacles before Zerubbabel, 
who with Joshua had led the return of the exiles from Babylon and was undertaking the rebuilding of the temple before him. You shall become a plain, a mere molehill, and he shall bring forth the finishing gavel stone of the new temple with loud shoutings of the people crying grace, grace to it. I love that because in the midst of obstacles, uh, uh, the question is asked, who art thou? O mountain of human obstacles, you shall become a plain speaking to whatever the obstacles were that was coming against the rebuilding of the temple, speaking against it and crying unto it, grace, grace, to it. So whatever the obstacle, whatever it is, the challenge, you have the power to talk yourself into it. You have the power to speak against the obstacles. Cry grace unto it. Cry grace unto it. And then I like what it said. And he shall bring forth the finishing gavel stone of the new temple that it shall be finished that you can build it up with the power of your words, but you can tear it down with the power of your words as well. So where are you? Who are you? What are you decreeing? What are you declaring? Even if it's negative, you are decreeing, you have decided that you're going to say this negative thing and create that environment. But I am challenging you today. I am challenging you, wherever you are, whatever you're facing, cry grace unto it. Talk yourself into it and decree and declare that you shall finish. And you're not just going to finish limping. You're going to finish strong and you're going to leave legacy because you got wisdom. You got power of, of your tongue and you have faith. So talk yourself into whatever it is that you are believing God for today in Jesus name. Thank you for listening. It is my prayer that you were blessed by this podcast. If so, please subscribe and like the broadcast. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Pastor Kim Davis and visit our website at KimADavisMinistries.com. So until next time, may the peace and order of God be with each and every one of you in all things and in all times and in all places. Shalom.